0: Hey, listen up, past, present, and future MyBookie players. During Thanksgiving week, my Bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears Lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, congratulations to you as well. My Bookie will give all your money back. It is a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. Crazy, right? It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. My bookie welcomes all to come play, so quit waiting around and sign up today. Do you find yourself wanting to bet on sports but have a lot of questions? Don't sweat it, MyBookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process. And the best part is, if you join this Thanksgiving week coming up, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. Just log on to MyBookie.ag and make your first deposit with promo code ZABE. MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar, and that's on top of the risk-free bet. Let me repeat, that's a guaranteed deposit match and risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply can't lose. Root for your team this year, but get in on the action and hop on the gravy train with my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. Today on the Zabecast, NFL Week 11 is almost in the books. Your blitzing recap of the notable, interesting, and amazing from Sunday's action. Some say Colin Kaepernick is brilliant. Others think he's a fool. But what if he's both? The Tua nightmare injury plus the relentless scourge of the inappropriate sin stat. Your bonus super early morning edition of Gloriously Uncensored Me is locked and loaded. So buckle up and let's go. (laughs) here we go. Monday, November 18, 2019. Thank you for downloading just me today. And yes, you'll notice the episode is a little short from what you're expecting. 30 minutes, runtime or thereabouts, but we will make up for it with efficiency, I promise. I'm going to prep a list of 10 things to talk about each day on the ZAPEcast. I'm going to try to give each of them roughly equal time. And I will list the 10 items in the podcast show description so you can see what's in the bag of potato chips, and if you want to skip it, you can skip it. Now, I'm not going to go list the exact start times of each topic. I know some of you said, oh, I love that because I can then go just to the point where I want to listen. I'm not trying to be a dick, but it just, it's a little bit tedious, a bit time-consuming, and I figured I've got to streamline the process. I will still have my usual orbit of guests. I just don't have one today because there's so much for me to talk about and I will run through my ge- I'll run my guests through the gauntlet of topics that I either pre-screen with them or stuff in their wheelhouse or things that they want to bring up and so forth. So, you're not going to notice a big change, but there might be a little bit of a change and uh, you'll be able to jam the Zabe cast in into a tighter window since it's going to be about 30 minutes long. So, let's get to it. <laughs> Item number 1. NFL week number 11, here we go. Vikings rally from 20 down at the half to stun the Denver Broncos. Kirk Cousins, 29-35. to 35. 319 yards, three touchdowns, no INTs, a passer rating of 133.2. Dalvin Cook was stymied all day, 11 for 26, did have a touchdown. He Kirk now has 177 passes without an INT. If you like that kind of thing from your quarterback, Get what I did there? <laughs> you like that? And the Vikings are now 8-3, but God forbid that Kirk loses a playoff game. It will be all his fault, and he will be completely and horribly overpaid. Dallas beats Detroit 35-27 who to improve to 6-4. Dak was great, 444 yards, three touchdowns. Zeke only 45 yards, but did catch a screen pass for a score. Baltimore 41-7 over... Houston, Lamar Jackson does it again, throws for four touchdowns, ran for 86 yards, and had a non-touchdown run that was maybe more exciting than last week. Baltimore is 8-2. and two. Indianapolis bounces back. They crushed Jacksonville 33-13. Jacoby Brissett was basically in tears afterwards saying how much he missed football. It was one week gone. Good to have you back, Jacoby. Marlon Mack, Jonathan Williams combined for 225 yards. Uh, Nick Foles, meh. Almost 300 yards in his return, but he was otherwise meh. Buffalo bounces back. They beat Miami 37-20. to 20. Josh Allen might be the best quarterback of his class, and yet he was the most derided pick of his class a, a year ago. 7-3 and start for Buffalo, best since 99. And uh, their wins, though, for Buffalo... <laughs> Their wins have come against a combined 12 and 44. New Orleans bounce back. They beat Tampa Bay 34 to 17. Drew Brees, three touchdowns. Ho hum. Michael Thomas, eight catches for a buck 14. Ho hum. Can't guard Mike. Continues to make his assault on the single season catch record, which he is on pace to obliterate. Jameis Winston, four picks on the day. One of those totally not his fault, but the other three were. Ho hum. Another day for Jameis Winston. Atlanta. This is two in a row. They crushed Carolina 29-3. to Panthers are now 5-5 five and five and starting to reel just a bit with Kyle Allen as their starter. Second straight week, Atlanta's defense did not allow a touchdown. They had three picks of Allen in the first half alone. They only had two picks up until that point this season. San Francisco rallies to beat Arizona 36-26. to Very questionable P.I. calls in this game as there were all throughout the league, uh, San Francisco got a controversial first down on a spot that looked very generous late in the game. Kyler Murray a nice touchdown run in the losing effort. Oakland beat Cincinnati seventeen to ten. A game I only kept one kept one eye on. I watched most of New England beating Philadelphia seventeen to ten on fourth and goal from about, or fourth and ten from about the thirty. Nelson Aguilar had a floater go in and out of his hands at the back of the end zone, and I immediately thought of the guy who's like, "Man, you got to catch that." Man, yeah, I would have catch that, unlike Aguilar. And, of course, the Bears-Rams game was too late for this edition of the Zabecast. That brings us to item number two. The Redskins get demolished by the Jets at FedEx Field, or Ghost Town Field, as my friend and colleague Tom Lavero likes to call it. It was not even that close. If you were watching the game, if you were, I'm sorry. If you were there, I'm even sorrier for you. 34-3 at one point. And the Redskins had fans saying, okay, this is rock bottom. I caution you once, I'll caution you again. There is no rock bottom. There is only different degrees of rock bottom. Every time you think, well, this is rock bottom, it can't get any worse. Go back to the last time you thought the Redskins had hit rock bottom. And then imagine something as horrible as, say, today, but only imagine it into the future, beyond today's horrible Redskin effort, and voila. A new rock bottom. See? See how easy that is? Haskins not good. McLaurin was awesome. I think Haskins is going to end up being the Josh Doxson of quarterbacks. We're going to wait, and we're going to wait, and we're going to rationalize. We're going to say, he's making progress, or he's got to get healthy, or we need to give him another receiver, or a tight end, or who knows what. Next thing you know, three years have gone, and the team will be starting over. Uh, The defense is terrible. Norman is complete junk. Cannot run with or cover anybody. Moreland and Moreau are not very good football players. Uh, Our expensive safety we purchased uh, from the Giants, Collins, the Sean Taylor fan, uh, huge waste of money. He's not terrible. He's making zero impact in games. And, of course, the coaching was atrocious. Penalties after penalties after penalties. There was a play early on. Haskins made a phenomenal play, and I give him credit for it, to escape a rush and then hurl the ball downfield to McLaurin, who can run by just about anybody. Sweet pass for 67 yards, and wait, there's a flag in the play, holding Brandon Sheriff. Brandon Sheriff then got a penalty for taking his helmet off, which was stupid. The call was a good call. It was a hold. Maybe uh, Haskins would not have been sacked on the play, but the way the Redskins reacted to that play, to me, said all you need to know about them as a team. Donald Penn went hysterical, like stomping his feet like a child because this team makes so few big plays that anytime one gets negated by a call like that, it is a catastrophic event. They react to it as if a child has been told, no candy for you. They have people were tweeting about how, to their knowledge, no interim coach has ever been fired in the middle of a season. If ever there was a candidate... To get fired, middle of the season, as an interim guy, it is Bill Callahan. The team has been demonstrably worse. At least once garbage time hit, down 34-3, to they finally took the lid off the touchdown canister. 16 consecutive quarters before that was done, and it took Darius Geis making a superhuman play. Geis was nice to see, made some plays. McLaurin is a stud. He mossed a defender for the Jets that was just sick. But Haskins was not good. You can't say anything other than the fact he was bad, period. He was bad today. He is bad right now. He is QB3 on just about anybody's roster. He probably should not be playing. Jay Gruden was probably right. He is probably not ready. But he's going to play, and he's going to start, and we'll see where he goes from here. Note, when I say he was bad today and that he is bad as a quarterback right now, I make no predictions on his future. Other than the prediction that I think we're going to wait and wait and wait and wait. And I, I don't think he's ever going to come. If that's a prediction on his future, I guess it is. But I'm not saying he can't get better or won't. I'm just saying right now, call it like it is. He was 19-35, to 35, 214 yards, two touchdowns, one INT. But once it got to 34-3, to three, his numbers were 12-21, 95 yards total. No touchdowns, one INT, and he lost. He had two fumbles he could have lost, and uh, both of them were covered. It's a bad quarterback. I mean, if your eyes don't tell you that, if the numbers don't tell you that, if the score, 34 to fucking three against the Jets, if that doesn't – this is coming off a bye. He had 14 days to get ready. He just – he is bad right now. You can't spin it any other way and if you say that I'm being mean or I can't back out those plays at the end because well you're what about the one you know drops there's a lot yeah there's a lot of drops I agree and that holding penalty that was BS you can't take that away from them listen all I'm doing and I do this for teams with their team total stats and I do it for individual players as well when a game gets to be out of hand and it's absolute garbage time I draw a line and I cut it off and I throw the rest of the stats away they don't matter and I look at what were the numbers up to the point in which a game became 34 to 3 or 49 to 6 or 28 to nothing whatever whenever the game was thoroughly and utterly and totally out of reach that's you know what I do and by the way the pick I'm going to put that one on Trey Quinn not on Haskins for the record so that's all I'm saying right there um I don't know. You know, at one point I said, will they score a touchdown again this year? Much less will they win a game? I don't know if it's, I don't know if they can win another game this year. They are an absolutely bad team. And there's a piece of audio, I won't play it for you because it's too hard to hear, of Haskins asking his offensive line, what do I have to do to help you guys? What can I do to help you guys? And I just thought, not now. I don't know. I, I don't know how that goes over with the line. They, they didn't seem to re- be responding very much. I'm not sure what they could have said. I'm not sure how that plays in the locker room. I don't know what their relationship is. It just sounded kind of cringy. Oh, speaking of cringy, here's how tone deaf this organization is. They put a, they printed a t-shirt and they put it in the team stores at the stadium. That was a t-shirt specific for this game only. It said, New York versus Washington, Jets helmet logo, Redskins helmet logo, and today's date. (laughs) And we're going to sell these shirts for $35. That's right. $35 thin cotton t-shirt for this game. I was at this game. You know, the game that sucked the biggest suck that ever sucked the suck. Also... One of the reporters, Sherry Burris, NBC4, uh, great host of Redskins Showtime, great reporter, said that in the press box area, a PA announcement said that, attention media, head coach Jay Gruden will be available in the locker room in five minutes or something to that effect. And she's like, I don't know, should I tell somebody he's no longer here? I would be willing to bet they recorded that message and they just they're too sloppy to re-record it too cheap to re-record it or they don't even know i mean talk about embarrassing and then uh they were playing a uh, celebration over the loudspeakers after the game was over as what few fans went to this game were exiting uh we're listening to celebration yes by cool and the gang say Ce- was it cool and gang celebrate good times bad times very bad times. <laughs> Item number three: the Tua injury. Man, what a terrible weekend it was for injuries in college football. Not just on the field, but off. There was a young lady in the Georgia game who got wiped out. Photographer on the sideline uh, had to bring a cart and stretcher out and a neck brace for her. It's dangerous place the sideline. I, I always thought they credentialed too many people, didn't let them just stand down there with no real supervision, nothing roping them off. Nothing that says, hey, you got to be on your toes here all the time. Plays will be on you in a second. But anyway, the Tua injury, absolutely sickening. And I was actually tuned in at my desk listening to the broadcast. Steve Levy was doing the play-by-play. Alabama was rolling at the time. It was 28-7, to I believe it was. He was in the second quarter. And given that Tua was questionable to start anyway with that ankle injury, And given the fact that Alabama likely doesn't have a road back to the playoffs, given the fact they were on their way to killing Mississippi State, why was he in there? Well, that's an easy question to ask, and it's one that I'm sure is going to haunt Nick Saban for some time. He had uh, his backup on, ready to go, and was going to come in on the very next series of plays, but whoops, too late. Routine scramble-out tackle, or at least it looked pretty routine. Tackled, next thing you know. Hip fracture dislocation. Oh my God. Aside from a spinal injury or a brain injury in football, I mean, that's about the worst you can get. It affects everything and a lot of stuff can go wrong. Now, Dr. David Chow tweeted out, Bo Jackson's NFL career ended from hip fractured dislocation that led to a vascular necrosis. Tua only has the first part, hoping you can avoid AVN, College season over, NFL status affected, but let's not say it's his career is over yet. Fingers crossed. Um, a lot of replies to Dr. David Chow and, and also uh, Dr. Mark Adkes, I believe, also on Twitter. People saying, what do you know about this? Like they're firing at him. Yeah, some Twitter doc. What do you know? Well, they're actual doctors. And there is a thing to evaluating injuries based on video alone. That's what Dr. David J. Chow, a.k.a. Pro Football Doc on Twitter, does. It's what a number of trainers do to help better assess what happened. They're trained to do that. They're like, here, this is how a player got hurt. What do you think it is? Because when you're out there trying to treat a player who's in agony and can't think straight, it's like, oh, my leg, oh, you can't go, well, what happened exactly? I got twisted. Yeah, could you describe the direction? Oh! It takes being able to watch the injury and go, oh, I know what that is. That is a lateral subluxation of the anterior flumuligan ligament or something like that. It's not a ligament. Shut up. So, it's an injury that, I mean, Saban was crushed. You could hear Todd McShay crushed by this. Every team that had been tanking for Tua crushed by this. Ever since he burst onto the scene as a freshman that few people other than the diehard recruiting fanatics knew about, as this left-handed, fluid, thrower and runner wearing number 13 with the cross eye black under each eye with the weird Hawaiian name. Not until he burst on the scene in that championship game and then threw for the winning touchdown did you go, holy shit, this guy could be the number one pick of the draft. And mania began. But the way college football works is you got to wait until you've played at least two years or at least wait until your junior year. Let's not get into the arguments about the pros and cons of that. That's for another day. That's what it is. It's been upheld legally, and there's no way around it. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do in cases like this? It's easy to say he should have been out, but it could have happened in the first quarter. It's easy to say he should never started because of the ankle injury, but it's hard to keep athletes who want to play off the field. It's also kind of cynical to go, okay, we played him last week when the ankle was even worse because we desperately needed to try to beat LSU, uh, to keep our playoff hopes vibrant. And now that they're not vibrant, oh, yeah, fuck it, just let them sit. We're, we're, we don't care. That's kind of cynical right there. So I think it's easy to say he should have been out of the game because it could have happened at 21 to 7. It could have happened at 14 to 7. Could it have happened at 7 to 7? Whatever. Could have happened anytime. Now there's the people, and this goes back to the th- you know thing I was talking about, about you aren't entitled to nothing. And that is, oh, poor guy. You know, he's got no pension, no health insurance, no this, no that, blah, blah, blah. I think he probably took out an insurance policy against his future earnings. I don't know. I'm not sure. But the crowd that is wailing about the how awful and unfair this is, and we must change the college system, they're breaking their bodies apart to play for coaches and media who get paid millions. Okay. So let's say Tua had been paid $150,000 a year as his annual salary in a new brave world of we're not only just going to let the players cash in on name image likeness, but we're going to pay him an actual salary. And let's say that that number was the number, which by the way, would be more than enough to break college sports as we know it. Because you can't just pay Tua $150,000 and then tell some backup lineman, no, nah, no, nah, you get five grand a year. Tua would still have only $300,000 or four fifty dollars minus taxes, minus this, minus that. And then maybe he made another $3 million off name, image, and likeness in college. That, that's not enough to last a lifetime. He's going to have to go live a life outside of playing professional tackle football. And the risks of playing tackle football, whether you're at D1 colleges, at the pinnacle like Alabama, or D2, D3, high school, you name it, JUCO, the risk is always catastrophic, career ending, injury. And that's it. And life goes on. There is no mitigating against this. There is nothing that can necessarily be done. You could argue to pay these guys, and that would help a little bit. But this is called a bad fucking break in life, period. And so, what do people propose doing? One tweet I saw said, Oh, you know, the one that said, Oh, these. Kids are breaking their bodies apart for nothing. And the and while coaches and media member make money hand over fist. My thought, and I didn't say this on Twitter because I don't need to fight the internet today on a Sunday. Oh, well then the play is, don't play football, be a coach. Just go into the coaching ranks or become a media member. And then you can fight for the, oh, I don't know, maybe two dozen jobs that pay more than five hundred grand a year and hope you get one of them, good luck on that. Or if you be a coach, you can start out at the bottom of the ladder like good old uh, Dabo Swinney did, just like every coach does. They look at the coaches now at the top, Swinney and Nick Saban and Urban Meyer, at least not any longer, Jim Harbaugh. And oh, look at all the millions they're making. Yeah, but you know what? All these other coaches start at basically nothing. So if you don't like the system of, hey, I don't want to smash my body up playing for this system that exploits us, opt out of the system. Go to college, on your own dime, study sports medicine, study coaching, be a grad assistant coach, uh, go into a media major, and then go that route. The world is what the world is. It's a dangerous sport. You're guaranteed nothing. Injuries are a part of it. That said, I I do think coaches do need to evolve from the mindset of, well, he's a football player, he plays. Or it could happen any time. I'm always of the mindset of the less less exposure needed, the better. And you should make no apologies for it. That's why the Giants are idiotic for not shutting down Saquon Barkley. And if I'm Nick Saban or any other coach, I'd say, yeah, you know what? We can win this game without Tua this week. We're going to let him get healthy. And that might have changed things it might not have. But I would always err on the side of, you know, coaches like to say, all that matters is a win. Okay. Yet when it comes time to playing players who are hurt, suddenly winning isn't necessarily what matters the most. They play because, well, this is what they do. And we need leadership and to show our culture is tough. It's why Tom Brady plays needlessly deep into games. So st- When they're up big points, it's so stupid to me. If coaches believe in the mantra of the only thing that matters is winning the game, then as soon as the game is won by a margin that is completely unrealistic, the other team would ever come back, get your most important valuable assets off the damn field. Prayer's up for Tua. I hope it goes Well, the surgery, the recovery, and I hope he has a great NFL career. But, man, this shakes up the tank for Tua race. It shakes up the quarterback draft derby this spring. Big time. (laughs) Item number four today. Other college football besides the Tua Tonga-Vailoa injury. First of all, give it up, everybody, to Mr. X. If you listen to Football Five Ways Friday, you heard Mr. X and I talk about the vaunted Rover and over a patented play for Mr. X that didn't have a nickname. He called it the dog and over a listener said, no, no, don't call it the dog and over Call it the rover and over. You get a game in which the point spread is astronomically high, such as Penn or such as Ohio state laying 52 and a half, I think against Rutgers. The total is not much more than that. And all you have to do is subtract, you know, the, the, the total from the spread or the spread from the total and divide by 2 and there there's your point number you got to worry about. Ken Rutgers score 5 points was the key thing to watch cuz at that point so you play them both. You can even parlay them but you play, you know, 100 bucks on the over, 100 bucks on the underdog or rover. And usually the worst that happens is you go one and one. Mr. X says he hits 2 and O's on the rover and over a high percentage of time like 70% of the time. But it's got to be just the right point spread. Well, it was. And sure enough, it hit. Ohio State 56, Rutgers 21. Rover and over. Notre Dame beat Navy over the weekend, 52-20 in South Bend. The game was unremarkable, both in the big picture or in terms of was anything interesting going on. Other than this, first non-sellout at Notre Dame in, I forget the number of years, 20, 28, 30, something like that. Bad times when even Notre Dame can't sell out a home game. Number one LSU beat Ole Miss. Joe Burrow, 489 yards passing. They were up 28 to nothing. Then it kind of got squirrely at the end. Then LSU put the gas on again, and they pulled away for the win. Burrow, at one point in this game, had 17 completions in a row. That is a team record. Number three, Clemson beat up on Wake, 52-3. I'm sure it could have been much worse than that. Georgia over Auburn, 21-14. It was 21-0, and then Auburn made it kind of ticklish in the second half. They got stopped on fourth down multiple times. Georgia clinches the SEC East. They're the first team since Florida under Spurrier to clinch a, the Eastern Division three years in a row, and they have the inside path to making the college football playoff. Oregon, sixth ranked, beat Arizona 34-6, to six, so they are still lurking a little bit behind. Say bye-bye to your perfect season and say bye-bye to your long-shot hopes of making the college football playoff, P.J. Fleck. Row the boat, rowboat sunk. Iowa beat Minnesota. As they wave to the sick kids in Iowa and they wave goodbye to their perfect season. I can't wait to talk to Brian Pozik and get him to rip on the so-called used car salesman. Minnesota has, beaten, has been beaten nine years in a row at Iowa, or nine times in a row at Iowa. So they don't win in Iowa, and they didn't again on Saturday. Minnesota-Wisconsin looks like they are headed for a massive showdown for the division, for the Big Ten championship berth, and for Paul Bunyan's axe, which I used to call the battle axe, or Thor's bejeweled axe of magnificence, which it is not. Oklahoma rallies to beat Baylor. What a game this was. Uh, Jalen Hurts, pretty, pretty good. Four touchdowns without C.D. Lamb. They were down 28-0 at one point and put on a furious rally. Why? Why? Big 12, that's why. So they could meet again, Oklahoma and Baylor, in the Big 12 title game, but that was maybe the game of the weekend. (laughs) Item number five. You are entitled to shit. The world owes you nothing. Ever heard that one before? I think my dad told me that once. Maybe. That does sort of sound like shit my dad would say. And by shit, I mean valuable life advice. Maybe I just heard it through the years. Maybe it was in a movie. I don't know. But I do think of it from time to time. It's true. The world owes you nothing. And if you don't understand that, well, it's a lesson that will be taught to you time and time again. Whether it's a job promotion or uh, a love affair or a nice house or even your own health. The world owes you nothing. In American culture, You do have certain constitutional rights in America. Not in American culture, but the uh, Constitution provides you certain rights. And they are wonderful, and they are magical, and they are unlike just about any other country in the world, but they are still limited. They don't even guarantee you happiness. No, you've got to just pursue it. They guarantee you the uh, pursuit of happiness, but not happiness itself. You're certainly not owed a job. Social media, national media, peers, politicians are starting to more and more tell you otherwise. That, oh no, no, you are owed this. You are owed that. This is not fair. This is not right. Let's give you this. Give, 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 give. The world owes you nothing. Now maybe in a future fantasy world of universal basic income, Medicare for all, unlimited paid family leave, leave, free college, I'd love to live in that world if it could only exist and if it wouldn't collapse upon itself in five seconds. But still, almost every debate in sports now centers on this notion of entitlement. And it'll come into play today with Kaepernick. And it'll come into play today on the podcast here with Tua's injury. It comes into play when it comes to the college football playoff with the players getting paid in college for their name, image, and likeness. It's even, I think, in there in replay. I think there's an entitlement element to replay. Some sort of entitlement of, we're entitled to justice. We're entitled to get the calls right. No, you're entitled to nothing. The world owes you nothing. If you don't believe me, believe Tony Soprano. When he had that infamous lunch meeting with Carmelo. Carmelo? Carmela. When she said, I filed for divorce. How'd that go?
1: Go stand over there. I'll call you when I'm ready. You want money? How about my 40 grand? You're still out of the bird feeder. That should be plenty. You're such an investment genius.
0: You want this to get ugly, Tony, because these guys live for that.
1: Oh, you think I don't? The only reason you have anything is because of my fucking sweat and you know every step of the way exactly how it works but you walk around that fucking mansion your 500 shoes and your diamond rings and you act like butter wouldn't melt in your mouth and you don't want it to get ugly too late
0: i want what i am entitled to
1: you're entitled to shit <laughs> Ouch. she's ready to order
0: oh god she's ready to order I love how Artie Bucco in that scene is all he's oblivious to what's going on. And he comes up snapping his fingers. Okay, what can I get you? Don't he's like, go stand in the corner until I signal for you. And then he he lays that down to Carmella, and uh and then she says she's ready to order. Of course, you know, Carmela ended up getting pretty much everything she wanted out of this, but that's not the point. The point is the world owes you nothing. Let's not forget that as we move into the next couple of topics. Item number six, the Kaepernick tryout. Well, of all the things that I would have wanted him to say if I were an NFL GM or owner to convince me, you know what, let's do this. The last two things I would have wanted him to say is, we're ready to play and tell these owners to stop running scared. I'm sorry. We, we're, we're ready to play. Who's we? Oh, I know the, I know who he's referring to. People on Twitter thought, are you really that dense? He means his agent. He means his team. He, I know. But guess what? <laughs> no team wants to hear we. No team has room for we. They want you and you alone. They don't want to deal with everybody else. Yes, of course they'll deal with your agent on a contract, but this whole, hey, we're ready to play, that should have sent every GM running for the hills. Now, maybe it hasn't, maybe it won't. Maybe the rest of this whole screwed up thing from the beginning, which didn't look like a good idea when they announced it hastily earlier in the week, and boy, did it end with a bang of a, of a 80 and a pile of dog shit getting everybody disgustingly messy Uh, after it was all over. Uh, But yeah, (laughs) we're ready to play and tell these owners to stop running scared. Here is Kaepernick's only 90-second availability to cameras, media, or faithful gathered around his impromptu workout at a high school on Saturday.
2: Appreciate what y'all do. We appreciate you being here today. We appreciate the work you do for the people and telling the truth. That's what we want in everything. I've been ready for three years. I've been denied for three years. We all know why I came out here, showed it today in front of everybody. We have nothing to hide. So we're waiting for the 32 owners, the 32 teams, Roger Goodell, all of them to stop running. Stop running from the truth. Stop running from the people. We're out here, we're ready to play. We're ready to go anywhere. My agent, Jeff Nally, is ready to talk to any team. i interview with any team at any time. I've been ready, I'm staying ready, and I'll continue to be ready. And to all the people that came out here today to support, I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. To the people that aren't here, I'm thinking of you. I appreciate you supporting from where you are. We'll continue to give you updates as we hear. We'll be waiting to hear from Roger Goodell, the NFL, the 32 teams. We'll let you know if we hear from them. Ball's in their court. We're ready to go. Let's
0: Yeah, all right, all right. Wow. That was sort of like Jerry Maguire when he printed out his manifesto on fewer clients, less money, more personal service, higher integrity. Hey, big NFL or big sports representation agency, who's with me on this? You're done. I would think Colin Kaepernick is done after this, but... I make a lot of bad predictions, so this could be one that's wrong as well. Who knows? He might get signed between the time I record this on Sunday morning and by the time you listen to it on Monday morning. But this should actually do it. First of all, oh, yeah, I appreciate you people coming out here. What you mean, you people? <laughs> you know, keep telling the truth. You've been attacked for three years. I you feel like saying, sir, sir. This is a Wendy's, (laughs) that whole meme, where someone is talking so much crazy, you have to stop and go, wait a minute, this is just a restaurant, this is a Wendy's, sir, what are you talking about? This is a football league, what are you talking about? I'll try out, I'll, I'll interview and I'll try out for any team anywhere, okay, league, here, we got an NFL facility, we're bringing almost every team in, not good enough. Other than that, I'll I'll interview with and I'll try out for anybody anywhere. If I can bring my camera crew because Nike wants to film a commercial. This is a calculated and actually brilliant play by Kaepernick against people. Because this is a marketing slash martyrdom play. It is not a get back into the NFL play. And the reason is simple, I think, if you look at it. If you look at it from his Nike shoes his Nike endorser shoes, if you look at it from his perch as a martyr and hero to many, an NFL job as the backup to, say, Sam Darnold, that might last a year. You know what martyrdom is? That's forever. A backup job is finite, and it goes away after a couple of years. Maybe he'll start again, who knows? Martyrdom is forever. Nike makes commercials about the brave quarterback who defied the NFL's unfair rules on hidden tryouts. That's forever. They don't make campaigns based on 7 and 21 7 for 21 mop-up appearances, you know. He goes in in the Jets game, all right? He gets signed to get him up to speed. Darnold gets hurt. He goes 7 for 21. 30-point loss to the Patriots. Now what? Is that a Nike commercial? Is that a campaign? Is that inspiring? Is he a hero for that? No. He's a dipshit backup quarterback who's not very good. Answering questions from media members calmly, thoughtfully, and rationally was what any team probably wanted to see. But they didn't want to see this whole fight against the oppression thing that he put out there yesterday. Because if he's this way now without a job, what's he going to be like when he does get a job? What if you put him in a locker that's not to his liking? And he goes out and says, I can't believe they stuck me over here with the special teams players. The insults and the oppression continues. You're not entitled to a job. And this is a job interview, bud. And you flunked badly. Big time company A said, come here for a job fair. You said, sure. Then as the job fair was about to commence, oh, even better. Big company A says, come here for a job fair. We've got 24 potential employees, employers, all gathered just for you. And you said, okay, fine. And then the night before you change your mind and say, I don't like this. I don't like that. Dude, come on. Yeah, this is not going to fly. It isn't flying and it's never going to fly. Uh, Kaepernick, some of the media were saying, he looks ready to play right now. (laughs) Like, throwing shirtless? Yeah, we know he's a big athletic dude with a big arm. And, ooh, did you see that pass? He threw 50-plus yards on the money to another wide receiver with no defense and three guys on the field, and they were all shirtless? So like the NFL. You know, Kaepernick's stats for when he last played in the league – are a shit show. You can look them up. And you don't just get to say, well, those don't count because the team I was on was bad or the coach I was playing for was about to get fired. It's not how it works. Sometimes you have to fight through that. Sometimes you have to elevate a bad coach and a bad team because you're that good as a quarterback. I have tried to be as even-handed as possible with Cap, and I do think there is sort of a soft collusion, a shadow blackballing that has gone on, but it might also be whiteballing. If there is an opposite of blackballing, we need to get a term for this. Blackballing is when an industry decides we're not going to hire this person because we don't like something they did that's not related to job performance or the industry itself, right? Some sort of political stance or a personal stance that, they just, that we're not hiring that asshole. That's blackballing, right? What's the pseudo opposite where instead of colluding saying, well, we don't like what he's saying, they collude on the grounds of common sense, which is this guy doesn't want to fucking play football. This guy is a, he's, he's got a whole marketing agenda in in his mind. He's got a martyrdom thing going on. No, we're collect, we don't need to send a memo out. Like don't sign this guy. It's a parent. Why would you? What's that? Is that white fault? Is that white balling? Is that blue ball? No, it's not blue balling. I don't know what it is. We need a term for it though. I've tried to be as even handed. I even said the, the Niners, or I even said the Packers should sign up. God, was that a fucking stupid take? I, I apologize for that one. Big time. You know, I try to check any preconceived notions I might have, any biases I might have, any fuck this guy impulses that are running deep in my veins. And I have tried, but you know what? Sorry, Cap Nation, I'm out. He has gone full clown. He's a marketing avatar. He's under the spell of his girl Nessa, his team, and Nike. That said, he got what he wanted. He advanced the story of Cap the Martyr. Right as his embers were kind of starting to fade and go out, because as the years go by, it's like, oh yeah, Kaepernick, what's he doing these days? And of course, the Cap sympathetic media lap it up. Florio, Mike Freeman, others, they love it, and they run with it. I would say Cap is now done, done, done in the NFL, but again, I'm bad at predictions. He could be signed by the time you listen to this. But I'll say this, good luck to any team that does sign him, and please, God, don't let it be my Redskins. Please, please, God. I mean, be good for hashtag content, but I, no. You know, when you are agreeing with Stephen A. Smith, you are truly into the bizarro world, and that's where I sit today because I I can't agree, I can't give this take more thumbs up if I worked in a thumb factory for thumb amputations.
1: Stephen A. Smith. Colin Kaepernick has been working out all of this time. Him, people in this camp, His close ones, loved ones, everybody talking about he wants to play football. He wants to play football. He's ready to play. Just give him the chance. So what does the NFL do? Recognizing that teams need a shield because they need something to hide behind because they know that, guess what? If we bring this brother in for a workout and we don't like him or we don't want him, who knows what we're going to get accused of? We need cover. So, the NFL provides that. I have no doubt Jay Z's involved. I have no doubt Roger Goodell is involved. I have no doubt there's a host of people involved, but forget all of that. This man wanted a chance. 25 teams show up in Georgia at the Atlanta Falcons practice facility, state of the art facility, NFL personnel, equipment, everything, video, everything. And what does Colin Kaepernick do? Not Tuesday when he found out about it. Not Wednesday, not Thursday, not Friday, Saturday. Three hours before the workout. Because of some issue with a liability waiver. Colin Kaepernick wants to change the venue. Colin Kaepernick wants his own receivers. Colin Kaepernick wants to video things himself. Colin Kaepernick wants the media. This Colin Kaepernick, media can't find him. He ain't done no interviews. He ain't talked to nobody. Media can't find him, but he wants to do anything. He wants the media available now. He don't want to play. He wants to be a martyr. But guess what? It ain't working this time. All of us believe that Colin Kaepernick would have showed out. And if he had showed out, I'm here to tell you, I believe he would have had a job inside of two weeks. But it didn't happen because he didn't show. He wanted to show up to a high school in Georgia. Not an NFL facility, a high school. And then YouTube it live. Like the average Joe out there gets to the side if he's on the NFL roster. He looks good. Sign. Him. You don't want to work. You just want to make noise you want to control the narrative. It's over. Colin Kaepernick's aspiration in the NFL. For an NFL career. It's over. Man.
0: <laughs> now uh, now I am living in crazy land. I couldn't agree with Stephen A. Smith more. More. And that was me throwing up just a little bit in my mouth. Hey, listen up, past, present, and future MyBookie players. During Thanksgiving week, MyBookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears-Lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, congratulations to you as well. MyBookie will give all your money back. It is a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. Crazy, right? It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. My bookie welcomes all to come play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. Do you find yourself wanting to bet on sports but have a lot of questions? Don't sweat it, MyBookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process. And the best part is, if you join this Thanksgiving week coming up, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. Just log on to MyBookie.ag and make your first deposit with promo code ZABE. MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar, and that's on top of the risk-free bet. Let me repeat, that's a guaranteed deposit match and risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply can't lose. Root for your team this year, but get in on the action and hop on the gravy train with my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid. (laughs) Item number seven, the Miles Garrett fallout. This topic did not make air on the Zabecast yet. I talked about it, of course, all day on Friday after it happened on Thursday night. Uh, The summary of my take on it is simple. Miles Garrett committed an act of utter insanity. One in which the NFL is lucky. I mean, by the grace of God, they dodged a bullet on what would have been one of the darkest days in the league's history. That if that helmet had caught Mason Rudolph just differently. Broadside with the edge of the face mask. Who knows? Yes, he could be dead. Yes, he could be in a coma. Yes, he could be fighting a brain bleed right now. It amazes me the people out there on Twitter and calling into shows that don't understand skull fractures and don't understand that a six-pound Kevlar and polyurethane-reinforced steel bar face mask ball swung by a 280-pound dude on a bare skull is a weapon of absolute potential lethality. What what world are you people living in? Uh, It wasn't that bad. He barely flinched. It's a miracle. And so if he was in a hospital and if he was currently in a coma – nobody would be saying the shit they're saying now, such as, know who you're running up on. (laughs) Why isn't he getting a one-game suspension? Everything was a normal, low-level, medium-level football scrum. From the time that Miles Garrett, I think, illegally, or committed a penalty, illegally took him down after the ball was gone, that usually gets flagged, to the wrestling on the ground, to Rudolph trying to pull his helmet off, understood, understood, to the, the, to the to the scrum where he was kicking at him and maybe kicked him in the nuts, who knows. Even after Miles Garrett ripped off Mason Rudolph's helmet, if Garrett had just dropped the helmet at that point, nobody gets suspended. The Browns' season is looking better than it has all year because they don't have anybody suspended, much less Garrett and that other idiot who knocked down Rudolph from behind. And there are fines to be collected come Monday or Tuesday by the league office, and everyone moves on. But once Garrett committed an act of utter insanity, all bets are off. You start with the act of insanity, which is, holy shit, you could have killed a guy. That's unprecedented. Nobody has done that before. Rip a helmet off, throw it down the field like Kyle Turley, seen it, done it. Not good? Fine him? Okay. Rip a helmet off, throw it at a guy's feet, okay, not good, impolite, not real dangerous, but okay, big fine's coming. When Cortland Finnegan and Andre Johnson got into it, Finnegan of the Titans and Johnson of the Texans, they'd been battling all game long, cornerback to wide receiver, and the two of them engaged after the whistle and then ripped each other's helmets off, and then Andre Johnson jumped on top of Finnegan, helmetless, and started punching him, that was really, really bad. That's just fists, though, which can be lethal, but still, it's one step shy of what Miles Garrett did. Miles Garrett committed an act of insanity. Once you do that, whether you're uh, Miles Garrett or whether you are Todd Bertuzzi on Steve Moore or Donald Brashear or um, who was the baseball player who went to the mound and swung at a pitcher, I mean, you can't, there are four weapons in sports. Four legitimate weapons if used in a weapon-like manner. A ball, a bat, a stick, and yes, a helmet. He used it like a weapon. He swung it with malice and accuracy, specifically designed to clonk him over the head without a helmet. That's fucking insane. Could have killed him. And the whole notion, I mean, there were some people lining up on the side of Miles Garrett. It was just embarrassing. OJ is one thing. OJ was on that side of, hey, man, What are you doing there, Miles? Or what are you doing there, uh, Garrett? What are you doing there, Mason? Mason? Miles? Miles? Mason? He was joined, though, by an embarrassing number of other people who should have had better takes, I think. Ex-NFL players. Fake-ass tough guys like Nate Burleson. Hey, man. Don't roll up if you aren't willing to take the heat. (laughs) Okay, then. That's your take, really? So in other words, if there's a low-level NFL scrum, scrum, scuffle, and you get your helmet ripped off, you're supposed to walk away and be a bitch? You're not allowed to go back and get into the fight because someone might, you know, clonk you over the head with a helmet that's crazy. It any other quarterback, and this is sort of a star bias versus backup bias, and there's probably a little bit of racial bias here. The preppy-looking white backup quarterback who has no status in the league. How dare you try to rip the helmet off of Miles Garrett? Fuck you, you little pissant. Oh, and now you're going to come at him some more? Guess what? Know who you're rolling up on. Hey, this is not the wire, people. This is still civilized society. The NFL wants to stride. It wants to put one foot in civilized society, one foot in, say, you know, okay, it is violent but it's still an organized league where everyone's making millions of dollars. And don't say, well, it's an intense game, frustrations boil over. Hey, so many great players that played like savages between the whistles never did anything close to this. Reggie White, Richard Dent, Lawrence Taylor, and on and on and on. They didn't lose their emotions like this. They didn't lose their cool. On the last play of the game, by the way, it was interesting that he didn't pick a fellow lineman to do this against? Was it because he thought it wasn't a fair fight? Was it because... Maybe he would have done it against a fellow lineman. It was just a sort of... I think Miles Garrett didn't like the fact that pissant, backup, nerdy-looking, white, no-name quarterback dared to try to rip his helmet off, and he went into a rage like, fuck you, who are you, man? I'll show your ass. And he lost his mind. Is Miles Garrett a bad guy? I don't know. He had a bad moment, though, that's for sure. And And the suspension absolutely warranted, and he may get a couple more next year, and I'd be okay with that as well. This can never happen again because it was almost a tragedy. And I can assure you, flip it around. If that's a white defensive end like J.J. Watt, and if it's a black quarterback like Lamar Jackson, or God forbid a star quarterback who's at least half black like uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes, nobody is saying, hey, Patrick Mahomes, man, know who you're rolling up on. That's J.J. Watt. You know? Don't start fights you can't end, Patrick Mahomes. And sorry that you're in a coma. That's too bad. You know, I know, everybody knows that wouldn't be the case. All right, let's blitz through the last three items. Item number eight, robocalls. (coughs) Americans receiving up to 2,000 robocalls every second in October. Now, that sounds like a big dramatic number. We're all not getting 2,000 a second. But still... It's up 25% from the previous month. That's 49 billion robocalls so far this year. All four major U.S. phone carriers now offer some form of blocking or screening service. T-Mobile, for example, uses a scam likely label. Congress and state officials passed a new robocall regulation in recent months, and they've seen an uptick in successful cases against the scammers. Yeah, and who else, is get, who else got election text messages? It's crazy. It's crazy that we still all have cell phones that are smartphones. Uh, that there's got to be a better way. There's there's got to be somebody should come up with a secure phone that you literally can't robocall or you literally can't text somebody. It would be called not having a cell phone, and well, who's going to have that? <coughs> item number nine: cutting the cord. So I saw this item on Twitter. Uh, Hulu Hulu Plus Live is going from forty four ninety nine a month. To $54.99 a month in December. It was only $40 a month back in January of this year. Wow. Rent is too damn high. Price of streaming is going up, up, up. $44.99. Uh, this is uh, up from, well, it's actually, yeah, it's going to 55 a month. I replied back, I'm going to cut the cord to save some money. Hashtag suckers. I got a mixture of responses from that. People saying, I still save money. You're wrong. Other people saying, you know what, Zabe, you're right, I have an insanely good internet connection, like 100 megabits per second download, and YouTube still struggles. YouTube Live, or or YouTube Watch, or YouTube Red, or whatever they call it, um, that it still struggles, still struggles, even with that much bandwidth. Look, if you want to cut the cord, that's great. I'm not going to stop you, obviously, I can but still, the thought that you're going to save money, it's all going to... Equalize. It's like water being sloshed from one side to the other. As soon as more people cut the cord, then things are going to adjust. Cable companies might lower their rates, cord uh, streaming services might raise theirs. It's water in two big jugs splashing between each other. Don't do it to save money, do it for reasons other than that. And then finally, this one item number 10. Radio host fired (laughs) mid-show. This is the second most desired way that I want to go out. First of all, my number one thing is I want to be bought out. That's my dream, Jerry, someday. If I can't be bought out, then when I'm finally done doing whatever it is I'm doing, oh, I would love to be fired mid-show. It happened to KNUS radio host Craig Silverman who's really an attorney and he's kind of like moonlighting doing some radio, former chief deputy DA in Denver, talk show host, maybe he's a full-time host now, on the conservative 710 KNUS radio station. Fired mid-show after he did what? Criticized President Donald J. Trump. Silverman was in the middle of a segment about Roy Cohn, Trump's personal former attorney, when he suddenly was interrupted by network news. It's like what's going on. Silverman's producer threw his hands up in the air, indicating, "Wasn't me." It was at that point, instead, that program director Kelly Michaels came through the door. "You're done," Silverman says. Michaels told her, told him. I don't know if Kelly is a girl or a boy. Uh, the former prosecutor is host of the Craig Silverman Show for more than five years, responded to the sudden firing on Twitter, quote, I cannot and will not be to- will not tow strict Trump party line. I call things as I see them. I see corruption and blatant dishonesty by the president and his cronies. I see bullying, smearing of American heroes with courage to take oath and tell truth. Their bravery inspires me. That's it. You're done. Well, he made his stand. I guess he'll get a show on a sort of conservative station, another conservative station. I don't know. Doesn't sound like uh, a very smartly run station. There ought to be some wiggle room to at least say, okay, so you're, you're sideways with the president on this. You can't be too sideways, though, because remember, you're a conservative station, so your audience wants a certain thing. So there's only so much leeway you really got. All right, that will do it for me today. I have no idea how long this podcast is. I recorded all these segments in chunks and bits, and I edited them together. But the intention, at least, was good. Thank you so much for listening. Rate, like, comment, subscribe, tell a couple people. Help the podcast grow. I do appreciate it. Have a good Monday, and we will see you tomorrow. Hey, listen up, past, present, and future MyBookie players. During Thanksgiving week, my Bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the Bears Lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to $250. If you win, congrats. You've got extra holiday spending money. If you lose, congratulations to you as well. My Bookie will give all your money back. It is a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's no risk, all gravy. Crazy, right? It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. My bookie welcomes all to come play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. Do you find yourself wanting to bet on sports but have a lot of questions? Don't sweat it. MyBookie's patient customer service team can walk you through the process. And the best part is, if you join this Thanksgiving week coming up, you'll still have one last shot to take advantage of their incredible sign-up offer. Just log on to MyBookie.ag and make your first deposit with promo code ZABE. MyBookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar, and that's on top of the risk-free bet. Let me repeat, that's a guaranteed deposit match and risk-free bet for Thanksgiving only. So if you're a true football fan, you do not want to let this opportunity pass you by. You simply can't lose. Root for your team this year, but get in on the action and hop on the gravy train with my bookie. You play, you win, you get paid.